When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hello and welcome to Feeling Blue from the Block M Podcast Network as we hit week two of the college football season. Going to be looking back on Michigan's victory over East Carolina and a look ahead to this week's game when UNLV comes to the big house. Luke Yardy here along with Tyler Seeley with you on Tuesday night, September 5th, as we head into Wednesday, September 6th. And Tyler, I don't know about you, man, but it was just great to have some college football back on here this weekend oh yeah man it was it was unbelievable to just see all the games unfold uh youtube tv introduced a new uh new feature with like you can put as many games as you want on i think up to four so you can choose which games you want on so i definitely utilize that feature after the michigan game but (laughs) excuse me it was great to have college football back i agree with you and you know, from from your and I's text, you sound like the the only person that uh, I ran into that didn't really have any trouble with Peacock. Uh, most people that I talked with uh, on Twitter, they had kind of the same issues that 
that I had watching the game. Uh, some buffering issues, some video quality issues, uh, things like that. For for a lot of people, was not a very pleasant experience. But uh, for you, man, glad it, glad everything went well for you. Yeah, I watched it at a friend's house. Uh, he was gracious to uh, let me use his 85-inch TV to watch the game. And uh, thankfully, I didn't have to pay for Peacock. He already had it, so that was a plus as well. Uh, and he already had it set up for me, so I don't have to do anything. I think it froze at halftime, uh, and we got it back. So that was the only issues we had. I thought the commentary was fantastic. I like Mike Tirico. I kind of always have. Mm-hmm. I I respect the fact that he could bounce from hockey to football to golf, and he can kind of do everything. I respect that. Um, us kind of doing what we do, and I, I know you're kind of more in the field than I am, but um, he's a tremendous broadcaster just as a whole so it was good to listen to him yeah man, he had, guy himself yeah and arbor boy uh you know i mean i guess technically a syracuse man but uh yeah oh. lives lives in ann arbor but uh yeah i don't know who had a worst day ecu or terry mccauley man uh he was having a he was having some trouble as the rules expert i think he was over three uh as they went to reviews i don't know what the hell he was talking about uh a couple of times so jj mccarthy's first touchdown pass i still I'm still like, man, I don't really know how they, they reviewed that and they let that go personally, but, uh, you know, not complaining. It was a great play and got Michigan rolling in that game on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not sure how they they <laughs> let that go, even after going to review and, and taking a look a second look at it. That looked like he was way over the line um, when he released the football. I know it was probably a little bit closer than, than we saw on TV, but right. Uh, yeah, I still think that, it probably should have got called back, but it was a great throw by JJ. So uh, we'll take it. Yeah, you're you're not kidding there. And as we start to to kind of look at this game here, I think he is he he's a big takeaway uh, for me, man. Watching him play, and I understand he's Carolina, probably not the uh, the best secondary that Michigan's going to play all year. I think they were outside the top 100 in pass defense a year ago. I don't know exactly where they're projected to be here this year, but uh, they they weren't they they didn't seem to be terrible though. Like there were a few openings, but what what really um, uh, I took away from it, what I saw, particularly from JJ McCarthy, man, and and this is something that can translate from game to game. I don't think we can draw any conclusions yet uh, on what JJ is going to be here this season, but pocket presence, his movement his ball placement, his ball velocity, it was all next level from what we saw a year ago in which he he led the Wolverines to a 12 and 0 uh season a Big 10 championship and a berth in the college football playoff. So, I it looks like he is a next level guy. He made a couple NFL throws. Obviously, everyone uh knows about the the third touchdown to Roman Wilson. Everyone has seen that play where he manipulated the defender in the flat with his eyes and made a tremendous throw to Roman Wilson on the corner route. Uh it was it was spectacular. I thought he was fantastic all game. I thought he was on the money most of the game. You know, his first incompletion of the game was a Roman Wilson drop. Uh, I think really the only other time Cornelius Johnson really helped uh, helped him out on one that was not a great ball placement that yeah. he had to go up and get behind him a little bit. Other than that, I thought his placement was great throughout the day, and I am excited uh, to see this guy. And he didn't even have who, who we, we heard was his favorite 
target during all of camp, which which was Tyler Morris. Obviously, I think Roman Wilson's going to be wide receiver one here this year. Poised for a a huge season, him and Cornelius Johnson. But excited to see the 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 chemistry between him and Morris, who were high school teammates, obviously. Um, and you know, Darius Clemens got in on the action. Colson Loveland looks absolutely great in year number two for him. He looks big. He looks fast. He looks strong. Uh, so all in all, I th- I thought the passing game looked really good on Saturday. Yeah, it looks sharp. JJ looks sharp. You know, they, they, I think East Carolina took a lot of the TCU uh, blueprint and, and loaded the box and stacked guys along the line of scrimmage and, and uh, just said, Hey, Michigan, we're not going to let you run the ball up the middle. If you want to uh, throw the ball in the outside part of the, part of the field or you know crossing routes over the middle we're going to give you that but we're not going to give you the running right up the gut we're not going to let you you know the pin and pulls up the middle we're not going to let you do what you want to do with the running game if you want to run run to the outside and see if you can get that that burst that donovan edwards did have once quorum had one i saw people saying that you know quorum's burst wasn't there i don't agree with that in my opinion i thought he looked pretty sharp to be honest with you uh, 10 carries for 73 yards. Edwards had 12 for 37. So I know that's not indicative of what we're going to see. I think as the season goes on, you're going to see more of the running game, but I was very pleased to see how good the passing game was. Roman Wilson was unbelievable, as you kind of alluded to, but I really love what I saw from Colson Loveland. I agree with you. I think a lot of people think, oh, Colson Loveland, you know, he's the starting tight end. He, you know, he, a lot of people will, will sit here and tell you, okay, well, he must have had a huge part of, of last year, and yes, he did, but more towards the end of last year is where he started to come on strong, and, and you know, even in the bowl game against TCU, the game against Ohio State as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes going forward, but very pleased with, with everything. I think if we're going to nitpick the run game, obviously we'd like to see even in a situation where they are going to crowd the line of scrimmage and they are going to load the box, Michigan could still run the football last year. So we'll see if that is the case going forward. Yeah. And and I don't think it's nitpicking necessarily. There was, there was a lot of good. There was some not so good to, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Obviously the, the run game at times, right. Particularly on that first possession, you go back and you watch it. uh, And I love J do's breakdowns, man, the low hanging fruit on Sundays. That's, that's a tradition for me. Every Sunday I get my cup of coffee and I go through his Twitter thread. You know what I'm saying? So, and he breaks it down quite well. You take a look at it. There were just some missed assignments, some miscommunication guys, crossing faces, stuff that's really easy to clean up. Uh, but, but that is the thing you, you got to be able to, to clean it up. And look, they were without Sharon Moore, who obviously, you know, he, not only is he the offensive coordinator, he's the offensive line coach that, that can correct some of these things. Um, but to your point, man, uh, last year they were able to run the football when everyone knew they were running the football and they literally, you know, we, we talked a lot about the beat Georgia drill right when they came out and they were asked about it and they talked about what exactly that is. They work on being able to run the football when other teams know you're going to run the football. Now, I love the other dynamic that we saw from the passing game that if Michigan's not able to run the football well, you got a potential first-rounder at quarterback and some really good threats at wide receiver to be able to counteract that, which is great. Uh, But definitely some cause for concern, I think, a little bit in the run game because ECU should be overmatched 
at the end of the day. And I don't think the offensive line obviously didn't play all that great in the run, uh, in the run blocking side of things. I think pass pro was fantastic outside of right tackle. Miles Hinton, he had he had a bit of a tough go of it out there. There were some times. Uh, I mean, there was one player. Remember when uh, you just allowed a completely free rusher? Didn't even didn't even touch a guy. JJ was able to get out of the pocket and I believe uh, make a completion. But uh, I mean, he knows. He admitted it. It, it wasn't a great outing from him. But we kind of knew that. We heard rumblings coming out of camp. Right tackle uh, was going to be a bit of a question mark. Uh, we'll see what happens there moving forward. You know, Ladarius Henderson. We projected him to play left tackle. He did not get the start um, out there. So. Uh, there, there's some communication things that'll that'll get cleaned up. Uh, but again, I think pass protection uh, was really good. Running the football, obviously, is a little bit to be desired. I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned about Blake Corum. I didn't think explosiveness was the issue. Uh, I do think he, to me personally, he looked a little tentative out there. And, and uh, look, that's not a that, that's not a knock on him. He's coming back from a major knee surgery, man. I think it's going to take time for Blake Corum to start trusting what he is again, right? And being able to trust his body because ultimately there's something psychological that happens with a major injury like that. Like your body kind of failed you in a certain way. You know what I'm saying? And you have to build up trust with your entire body again. Like what makes Blake Corum great? And I saw, you know, on that, on that 37 yard run that he had, uh, he, he reached 21 miles an hour. Like he, he's got the juice, but go back and watch Blake Corum if you forgot what made him so great, and it's his ability to plant and cut immediately on a dime, his vision and his ability to plant and cut immediately. And there were times on Saturday where last year, pre-knee injury Blake Corum would have broken a couple of those runs, particularly the the one that I'm thinking of, man, was he caught, a, he caught kind of a pass on that on that free rusher for Miles Hinton and JJ kind of shovel passed it to him. He had some space where he could have showed some burst and maybe one cut it inside and gotten a big play, but instead it went for a gain of one because I think he was a little tentative. Now again, I don't blame him. It's going to take time uh, for him to get back to that what he was if he is like, and that's that's the other thing. He had major knee surgery, man. There's no guarantee he's going to be what he was for a majority of the season a year ago, and I think it's something worth monitoring. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think um, you know we'll see what happens. Obviously, injuries are kind of your guess is as good as mine. Right. It's, it's how it's going to go, but. I mean, if there's one person I'm not going to bet against, it's Blake Corum. I'll tell you that mm. right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And obviously, having him and Donovan Edwards out there is is going to be great. And, and the offensive line didn't do those guys any favors uh, at the end of the day, but they were able to to bust a couple of them. Blake Corum, I like the way that Donovan Edwards was used. Um, yeah. He was able to catch a couple of passes, actually had four receptions, one of those being one of those kind of horizontal passing games, right? You bring him out of the slot in motion. JJ takes the snap, do that little toss to him. I, th- I think they got about 12 yards uh, on that one there in the first half. And and using a guy like that in different ways, uh, I think, is huge. But ultimately, I, there's just not a lot to, to be mad about. Like, you could be, I, I don't know, um, I, I don't want to say – concerned you you could be questioning you know why I, I guess Michigan only won 30 to three you take a look at some of their uh previous 
openers and things like that was 51-7 against Colorado a year ago, like 45-7 to against Western a couple years ago. But you, you start to take in a couple of different considerations. Number one, opening drive of the ball game, ECU makes a great special teams play after after Michigan stifles them on their opening possession. You take over at your, your own two-yard line. You've got a first-time play caller in Kirk Campbell going. He's not in that situation. This is his first time calling plays, man. I'd imagine the butterflies for him were were a little nasty as well. What's he going to do? He's going to run the football in that situation, pin back in his own ears. You're going to rely on what Michigan is in their identity. Uh, a couple of miscommunications on the opening drive of the year. They have to punt it away. Other than that, Michigan was able to score points with their starters on every single possession up until that third quarter drive where, uh, you know, we, we thought they're in. I think that's another one where, where you got to find a way to get in or reminiscent of the TCU game, right, with, with the goal line uh, struggles. They're they're a little stubborn down there. I think they moved a little too quickly on that fourth down play, obviously. Just, just line up and see if you can punch it in, man. You know, th- there's no reason to go so quick that you're not even able to, to, to handle the snap. But and that's the thing, right? And then the starters get pulled about what five, six minutes ago in the in the third quarter, and and they don't score again. Like Michigan could have probably put up forty five to fifty points in this game, even with the new clock. That's really going to probably hamper Michigan in these non conference games more than a lot of teams in the country, given how much they run the football. That clock is going to tick, 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 tick. And JJ had like fifteen completions in a row, where where the clock was just not going to stop. So you know when when you break it down. Michigan only scoring 30 in this game doesn't really concern me all that much. No, I agree with you. I think the offense looked as good as it could, uh, other than the run game, obviously. Um, I think that, you know, Donovan Edwards probably was in. I also, going back to that punt that pinned them back at the two-yard line, I think that hit a uh, ECU player about the 10, 15-yard line, somewhere around there where the ball should have been spotted, to be honest with you. So if you can go back and look at that tape, but... I think East Carolina is a little bit better of a team that, than than we thought they were, to be honest with you. I think that they're typically a pretty good group of five school. Um, you know, they they put some resources into football, and and they're typically a, more of a program than they are just a, a, a football team. So um, I think their defense was ready for the run. I think they were ready to to kind of man up a little bit, and and they were able to do that. But I think when push came to shove, Michigan played as good as as they could have in a, in the first game. Now, if they go out against UNLV, which we're going to talk about, and they they struggle again to run the football, then I would start being a little bit more concerned. Um, one, one other concern that I do have, and maybe it's not like red concern or even orange, maybe it's my, maybe like a yellow kind of concern, is no sacks. Yes. I wanted, I wanted to get to this as we got to the defense. Look, first and foremost, uh, the defense – as a whole, look looked great, right? They they look fast. They they held ECU to just four point three yards per play. They're just there wasn't a lot out there. They and by the way, they were without you know probably our well. I know Penn State's got a great corner as well, but arguably one of the top two corners probably in the Big Ten. Uh, in in Will Johnson out there, Rod Moore, one of the top safeties in the country, did not play. Like like they're down a, a couple of guys here. Uh, ECU, they, they did do some quick game stuff. Uh, I don't, it didn't feel like they did as much quick game as everyone seems to be making out to be. I thought Garcia, a, a couple of passes had a lot of time in the pocket. That was my biggest takeaway by far on the defensive side of things was the lack of pressure, even when 
Michigan sent extra pressure. Like they they had times where, where they would rush six guys and still not really get enough pressure on the quarterback. I mean, they, they had a couple of pressures in there, but uh, no sacks. I didn't think the edge guys were, were able to win all that much. I was mu- very much expecting more out of the edge guys. We didn't hear Chris Jenkins' name called a whole lot, and you know it could have been a scheme thing from from ECU standpoint. But I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think I like I don't I'm not like oh my god you know because Michigan kind of had similar issues against UConn uh, a year ago where they they didn't get as much pressure like they had all the pressures in the Colorado State game and then just kind of tapered off a little bit and it ended up being fine like the defense was really good a year ago but. I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely am with you. I was, I was a little concerned with the lack of pressure uh, getting after the quarterback, but the the secondary made up for it. Yeah. I think also that the fact that they didn't get any sacks, but I'm not as concerned about it because I really do think when push comes to shove, they weren't showing a lot of exotic blitzes. They weren't showing a lot of, of bringing everybody or anything like that. I think if they were able to do that, they would have, they probably would. I'd, I'd still like to, I'd still like to see organic pressure though. Like, like the mark, the mark of a great defense is being able to get after the quarterback rushing four. like if Michigan's able to do that, this defense is elite elite. Like George has been able to do it the last couple of years. And then you bring the exotic blitzes and then they're screwed. Right. Yeah, you gotta right. be able, you got to be able to pressure the quarterback with four. We'll see what happens in the game going forward. I think, I think, the you know the team will hear a lot of this like oh they didn't get any sacks and I think you know with uh, Jesse Minter now going back as a defensive coordinator I think that'll help a little bit you know obviously uh, Sharon Moore coming back as the offensive coordinator going back to that role actually he's going to be the head coach in the the third game correct so um, back to this role for now and then back to the head co- uh, to the head coach for game three in the first half I believe it is. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but again, like I said, if we're going to talk about pressures and, and the lack of that, and they still won 30 to three, I think, I think it's a little bit, it's good problems to have. I think, I think you're living right a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I, uh, I, I did, I did listen to the post game interview uh, with Jesse Minter I think he was talking with John Jansen and uh, he did mention that like some of the guys they were um, they, they were upset. Uh, I, I guess they were disappointed in their lack of sacks like some of those edge guys and, and Jesse Minter did happen to say, you know, they were doing some things to kind of counteract, you know, what what Michigan does. And obviously, look, I mean, it, it took a, a sad field goal at the end of the day, right, to, to get points on the board for East Carolina. So um, I, I think that you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to get better throughout the year, but uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, man, you got to be able to get after the quarterback. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's a little bit different uh, coming up here this week, but all in all, uh, I thought the Michigan defense looked as stout as we thought it was going to. Are you looking for a fresh new look this season? Well, our friends over at Homefield Apparel have you covered. In case you aren't familiar, Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest. Not only is their stuff comfy, but it's officially licensed gear, so you'll have peace of mind knowing what you're buying is legit. Homefield team studies the history 
traditions, and legacy of every school. And with all that information, they create thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. Homefield has some incredible Michigan designs you will not find anywhere else. From t-shirts to hoodies to crewnecks, they have it all so you can proudly represent the maize and blue wherever you are. So if you want a piece of the action, head over to homefieldapparel.com. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. So ECU is in the rearview mirror. We now look ahead to this week's game as Michigan will welcome in UNLV. And, uh, well, the Rebels coming off a 44-14 victory over the Bryant Bulldogs, and they're going to be coming in looking for a major upset of the Michigan Wolverines here this week. Michigan, massive favorites. 36 points uh, at most shops uh, across the board, even though Michigan did not cover against East Carolina, very similar spread uh, winning that one by 27. But when we take a look at UNLV coming in, what do we see Tyler? Yeah, definitely a young team. Uh, Definitely a team that was five and seven last year Uh, team that, you know, they're going to give Michigan problems. Uh, I I don't know that if it, it will be in the same breath that ECU did, but uh, certainly a team that's going to give Michigan issues. They do have D- Doug Brumfield, who is the starting quarterback. Uh, he is the de facto guy. Uh, they do have a couple guys in the backfield that will get the ball. Um, not really your typical rushing offense. They throw the ball a lot, kind of like a Mountain West team does. Um, you know, they do have Jacob DeJesus as a receiver. Uh, Seneca McKee is another receiver. Um, bo- both of those guys had over three carries. Uh, DeJesus had 50 yards uh, on four receptions. McKee had three on 19. Uh, so not the greatest a game from him, but certainly a team that can light up the scoreboard. They did it against Bryant, as you alluded to, uh, in a 44-14 win. Um, so we'll have to see what happens when they come into the big house on Saturday. Yeah, so uh, you take a look, and they're led by head coach Barry Odom. It's his first year at UNLV. I believe they're their second coach in three years. Uh, Brumfield, he was a guy who was there a year ago, uh, put up decent stats, completed over 64% of his passes, 10 touchdown, 5 interception ratio. Last week, uh, not many air yards, went 11 of 18 for 86 yards, no touchdown and interception. But reading Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine, the interesting thing here is, uh, is UNLV that are going to have uh, a passing game, but also um, kind of shades of a triple option offense here. And you take a look at what they did to Bryant last week. And yeah, it, it, it the, I mean, service Academy numbers here, right? They, as a team, 40 carries 283 yards, 7.1 yards, a clip, five rushing touchdowns, Vincent Davis, Jr. Uh, he transferred from Pitt, was a four-year player over at Pitt rushed for almost 2000 yards at his time there. Uh, but he had three carries 79 yards at a touchdown Brumfield. The quarterback had seven carries for 71 yards at a touchdown. Uh, Jaden Thompson had eight carries for 60 yards and two touchdowns. And then Donovan Lester had eight carries, 29 yards at a touchdown. So they're going to throw a lot at Michigan here. Going to have to play assignment football. Going to have to win at the line of scrimmage. But this is a a UNLV team that's going to throw a lot of looks at Michigan and and have a lot of different action off of their plays. Running, passing. Uh, Michigan's going to have to play some disciplined defense uh, here this week. Yeah, it's a good test for Michigan. You know, a team that runs a de facto triple option, looks at times um, that, you know, Along with the Naval Academies, there's always a good test for a defense and how disciplined are you. 
are you going to watch the football? Are you going to react instead of watching the football? So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the defense. Um, Will they be able to get pressure on Doug Brumfield as we spoke to earlier? Um, Will they hear those, those echoes kind of going through Shen Backler Hall? You guys can't pressure the quarterback. You guys can't get sacks. I think they'll, they'll be able to do that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens when they start throwing the ball downfield, though, if they do. Yeah, and then on the other side of the football, one thing I think Michigan's got going for them is uh, Bryant quarterback uh, Zevi Eckhaus. I apologize if I, I got that incorrect, but he had a pretty decent game, 19-29, 230 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but he did have an interception in, in Landon uh, Ruggieri. He had 11 catches for 109 yards. So this could be another week where, you know, Michigan might want to light this thing up through the air because UNLV secondary uh, doesn't look to be world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. No, more than likely they're going to be overmatched. I don't think you'll see um, for the whole game what ECU did. I think it'll be more of a situation where they're, they're not loading the box or maybe they're loading the box, but they're not crowding the line of scrimmage. They're not shooting every single gap because if you do that, it's a cover zero and you got one-on-one all over the field. And a guy like JJ McCarthy, is not going to miss a guy wide open. Um, you know, he may once or twice, but when push comes to shove, if you're going to leave one-on-one all day long, he's going to do what he did to you in the Ohio state game last year. And and what he did to you last week as well. against he's, yeah, and and you know Bryant did average four and a half yards a carry. Uh, uh, their I guess workhorse, if you want to call it, a week ago for Brees Mukendi, he had eleven carries for fifty-seven yards, a five-point-two average. Michigan's going to be throwing a little bit different at them with uh, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and, and Kalel Mullings, uh, along with a big front in the offensive line that we expect to play a little bit better here this week. So you know, I, I mean. Obviously, Michigan expects to win this game. Uh, we want to see some different things uh, out of them here this week, particularly you mentioned it. Uh, we we want to see the, the run game be a little more efficient, I think, here this week. I don't know how many opportunities Michigan's going to have to to just free rush Doug Brumfield back there, but he's clearly a dual threat guy. So you got to be wary of that as well. So this may not be kind of a pin your ear, ears back and go get him. That allows him some escape routes within the pocket and allows for some potential big games. So we might actually see a more conservative approach uh, from the Michigan pass rush here this week. I agree with you. I think that's, that's part of it. I guess it depends on what the score is, what the offense does. Yeah. Uh, do they get into a situation where they're down 21 nothing and they have to throw the ball you know on all three downs or on two of three two of the four downs uh if it's you know four down territory kind of situation um i i have a feeling this is going to be one of those games where michigan uh you know everyone's like oh well the run game didn't do this last week it didn't do that this week or didn't do that last week and they come in and they're like Okay, here we go. Here's Donovan Edwards and here's Blake Corum and good luck stopping them. And, you know, whether it's up the middle, out wide, I think they're going to have what they want, to be honest. And look, at the end of the day, Michigan, I think that this is a team that's only going to get better. You know, they they get Sharon Moore back here this week. You got uh, Jay Harbaugh coaching duties in the first half, Mike Hart coaching duties in the second half. So you'll have... Uh, the biggest thing to me w- with that taking place is that both your offensive and defensive coordinators 
are going to be offensive and defensive coordinators. And that will be the the first game here this year that Michigan's had that. So I'm curious to see how they look when Jesse Minter isn't working, uh, worried about being a CEO, worried about the entire team. He's focused on the defense. And then you got Sharon more work, uh, focused on the offense. Yeah, I agree with you. I think everyone being back in their places will be good. Obviously, you, you have Mike Hart and you have Jay Harbaugh kind of shifting to those roles. But it'll be really interesting to see what happens once once Jim comes back and, you know, everyone's at full strength. That That's really what I'm looking for, looking forward to. I'm sure you're looking forward to the same thing. But it'll definitely be good to have the offensive coordinator doing his job, the defensive coordinator doing his job, and then, you know, kind of in that situation. Yeah, a little different here this week than we would have expected. 3.30 kickoff on CBS. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting Michigan a little taste of that uh, for the first time on CBS. As we wrap up here, this week's edition of Feeling Blue, getting excited for week number two of the college football season. Tyler, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, just uh, quickly, um, CBS, what a weird what a weird thing the big town on CBS is. I watched some of that Ohio State game, but... Anyways, that's a discussion for another podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. We certainly do appreciate it. Uh, And we got many other great shows uh, for you to check out each and every week to get you through the college football season. For Tyler Seeley, I'm Luke Giardi, and we'll see you next week on Feeling Blue.